you're listening to Contains Moderate Peril, an independent podcast about gaming, movies, and popular culture. Written and presented by Roger Edwards. Hello and welcome to the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, episode number 186. I'm Roger and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Brian. Hello, everybody. We said as we wrapped up the previous show that this was a somewhat broad subject that you couldn't really do justice to in one episode. So we've decided to return again to the matter of MMORPGs just so we can now cover some additional points that we did not discuss in episode 185. So without further ado, let's press on with this podcast. Brian, it's a perennial cry from various quarters of the gaming community that MMOs are dead, but this simply isn't the case, is it? No. Well, look at Lost Ark right now, right? And not only Lost Ark, if you go over to Massively OP, they've usually got a list of a dozen MMOs that are either in development, in early access, or have just been released and are being patched, as it were. So certainly, I do not think that the MMORPG genre is in any way dead, done, or through. However, I think it has moved very much with the times, hasn't it? I, I, I think that... Um, what people will consider to be an MMO nowadays might not meet some of the classic definitions. An example being, as you just stated, is Lost Ark. Kind of looks like Diablo. Exactly. I don't know about you, but I found out about this game purely because everyone in my Twitter timeline started talking about it. So after a while, you keep saying, oh, someone's talking about Lost Ark. Oh, someone's mentioned Lost Ark again. Oh, more Lost Ark. What's that? And then sooner or later, you suddenly realize that it is the new game that everyone's talking about. And then you go online, check it all out. And then one of two things then happens. You either then investigate it further, or you just simply look at the definition and a few screen captures or at the most a Twitch video and you go, nah, that's not for me. And I would just like to point out to listeners, that's exactly what I did with Lost Ark. Because the moment it says it's an isometric 2.5D fantasy massively multiplayer online action role-playing game, I just think, asymmetric, 2.5D. Nah, not for me. <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh, it's something different. I have to check that out, but I haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh, we did check it out. I mean, I, I have watched several Twitch streams of people playing it. It is an interesting game. It just doesn't have the attributes of a game that I enjoy, and it has many attributes of a game that I don't particularly like. So it's just not for me, and I like to make that clear, isn't it? It's not a question that I'm rubbishing the game. I'm just saying it has set out its stall, and I'm not enamoured by its wares, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad game. Right. I mean, you actually um, do not like World of Warcraft because of the cartoony aspect. So. So it's a, that's a very, that's the same thing. You just, you've looked at it and said, oh, it's probably a great game. It's just not for me. 
And that's a preference. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Lost Ark is, this is brilliant marketing, first of all. Um, Lost Ark has been out for a few years, but just not in America. South Korea, I think its launch was in December 2019 or something. So when it launched, I was watching a Twitch streamer um, that played it. And to play it, you had to get a South Korean phone number to activate the account. And there were people selling those phone numbers to streamers and people who wanted to play it. Um, so there was a buzz built into this game, even when it wasn't available here. And then they have kind of taken over Twitch with these drops that they're doing. And if you watch uh, streams that stream the game for four hours at a time, or four hours total, they are giving you in-game stuff like pets and amount and some other stuff. And I've done all that. I have not played the game. I've downloaded it. And <laughs> I and I attached my... It's through Steam. So I attached my Steam account to Twitch. And I've earned all of the drops. So isn't it amazing that I've never played one single second of this game and I've invested at least 20 hours in watching it. Very smart on their part. Um, and I think it became, for a brief time, the most played game on Steam. Like over a million people at, uh, at once. It was crazy. So, um, I am interested. I am going to play it at some point. Um, it reminds me a lot of Path of Exile. Mm -hmm. a, a little bit. I think... It's a great example of not a what I would traditionally think of as an MMO, but it I believe is an MMO. Um, it just you know, has enough of those elements to be an MMO, but it, it really looks to be more like a Diablo esque action game than anything. Yes, a, a, an action RPG with sort of the cooperative, collaborative element bolted onto it. Exactly, and and I and I think that's actually smart, and, and I believe they're developing another Diablo. Blizzard is; they've been doing it for years, and the buzz has always been that it's going to be a Diablo MMO because that's what fans seem to really want. They they love the game, but they want the um the persistence to it, and the other people around, and the the grouping and the building your character. You already have the building your character, but MMOs sometimes do it in a different way, don't they? Mm -hmm. so, so that's what people are looking at. So I think Lost Ark is kind of filling that niche right now. And obviously there's a demand for it because like, you cannot go on Twitch still right now without being plastered by this game. Like It is crazy how many people are playing it. But that can turn on a sixpence. That yep. can come to an end very, very quickly because you roll the clock back 18 months or so and you could say exactly the same thing about New World. True. 100% true. When they brought out like the third iteration of New World and bearing in mind when I, I, I played through the second beta test, which was after it was very, very PvP focused and they'd added a lot more of traditional MMO questing elements in it. I found it a very interesting game. Certainly enjoyed the combat, particularly the use of the shield and the fact that it was very fluid action combat and you felt that sort of trading blows, moving, blocking with your shield was, it was a real skill. It was not a question of just 
standing static and mashing keys. I, I quite enjoyed the fluidity of the combat. But what I missed greatly was the voice acting that I expect in MMOs like Elder Scrolls Online and Star Wars The Old Republic. And it was conspicuous by its absence. And I believe since it's launched, it's still conspicuous by its absence. To me, New World seems to be a foot in modernity and a foot in traditional old school MMOs. And Again, that was something that was everywhere you looked online. There was promotion. There were people playing New World. There was hype about it. There was a great deal of um, sort of Twitch promotion on it. And then all of a sudden, the player base seems to have just evaporated away. So New World's one that, although I was aware of it when the hype was real, I wasn't really interested in it at all. I, I watched some of it. I'm like, yeah, okay. Another MMO. I, I'll be honest. That's still kind of my attitude. Um, but but I think part of the big deal of that was it was Amazon, wasn't it? Yes. And Amazon is also behind, or partnered with uh, the company that makes Lost Ark. Yes. So kind of interesting, obviously, to have both of those be so big on Twitch, which is also owned by Amazon things start to make sense when you look at it from that perspective. Um, and I, I don't know a lot about New World. My understanding is there have been a lot of uh, technical issues mm -hmm. and duping and a lot of things that just caused the player base to, to flee. Uh, and I don't know how accurate that is, but that's kind of my take on it is it just wasn't done well and they didn't respond well to issues and so people just went and found other stuff to do this is my take on new world just through what i've observed and my limited amount of time playing as i said one of the early iterations in beta testing i get the impression that this game is not really a live game it's just it's just a test this is just not only a test of a game engine and, and game system and mechanics but also a, a, a test of what the what the player base does and does not want. I mean, when you look at Amazon Game Studios, they've they've cancelled more games than they've released. But I don't think that's in any way a waste. I think they're learning from everything. I mean, don't forget there is the Lord of the Rings game that they made in conjunction with Athlon Games and um, Tencent. That game, as far as I'm aware actually nearly completed development it just didn't get released because of economic and business decisions you know the two companies couldn't design an equitable split of the finances as it were and when you look at amazon as an entity and and what it's done over the last couple of decades i think it can afford to take hits on the chin quite a few times because it learns from that and I can't help but think that they've got something else up their sleeve. Yeah, I, I actually feel like there's something to that because, you know, they created the studio, right? And they're developing games. And like you said, they, they've canceled some that were uh, people were looking forward to. But then they partner um, with this new shiny thing, right? And they're they're getting the knowledge from that now, aren't they? Hey, this is a right now. It is a massive success today, and New World was a massive success briefly. But it, Lost Ark, we don't know how long it's going to go. But 
you know, there's been hype about this game ever since it was released, I think three years ago. So now they're along for the ride on that. So maybe the future of Amazon is bright. Cause like you said, they, they did the same thing with, um, tablets, right? They, and, and all of those Amazon devices you can buy, they, they started small. Some of the, they, they released an Amazon phone a few years back that flopped complete flop. Yet they're still making pretty good fire tablets, aren't they? That people like to consume yeah. pro- to, to consume things. I have one. Yeah, and if you just look at them just as a straightforward online selling portal, which they originally were an online bookseller, they they spent decades not making a profit, but just creeping and creeping and expanding and getting their getting their fingers into so many different pies and stuff. And just look how it's paying off now. So whenever I read about something that Amazon has put time and effort into and it hasn't quite paid off. I just thought, no, that a lesson, a valuable lesson has been learned and that code's not going to waste. And this is something that's just sitting in reserve. I mean, yeah. the way I read it, there was a Lord of the Rings game that was getting very close to being ready to launch or at least ready to beta test. And, and that's just sitting somewhere written off. Oh, I don't think so. Well, considering that they're uh, so Prime Video is actually pretty good now, mm-hmm. and there are so many Prime Originals that they either buy or back and help develop and all of that. Um, some some award winning titles yeah. and uh, things I like, like like The Expanse. They picked that up from I think it was the Sci Fi Channel to finish that that out and this and that but they are obviously i think everybody who's listening to this would know that they're developing what is it the ring of power rings of power yes indeed that launches september the second yep already started to hype it and if they have an mmo that's just sitting there completely developed uh, that's in that similar universe or at least as part of middle earth hmm Wonder what's going to happen there. Certainly, I don't think that the MMO genre is on its last legs. And plus, you get so many of these small crowdfunded MMOs, and some of them come to fruition, some of them crash and burn and don't make it. But it's still a genre that developers are prepared to invest their time and effort in. I think there's still an inherent appeal of um, persistent world and playing online in groups and clearing group contents. And the other thing that I think is integral to the MMO genre is the way it's sort of directly and indirectly cross-pollinated so many other genres of games. Because there are now lots of games that you can't even argue they're MMOs, but they still have MMO systems and MMO attributes. And, and websites like Massively OP will cover them because they think there's sufficient a crossover there for it to actually be included in the body of work that they keep an eye on. We talked about this in the past. You look at Call of Duty Warzone. Yes. It's, in many respects, it, it, it has MMO-based sort of um, at, 
attributes was the way that you group, the way that you can do group undertakings. Let's face it, so many games these days, it's quite unusual to find something that is purely a single-player game with absolutely zero multiplayer aspects to it. At the risk of people throwing rotten eggs at me, I think Fortnite has a lot of MMO elements to it. Yes. And I, I've never played that a second in my life, but I have watched hours and hours and hours of that game. And what they do is they have a season pass, don't they? Yes. And they keep having these, uh, they keep doing these concerts in the game and they keep changing it up and, hey, we're going to close out this era and go into the next one. And people just love that game. They play the heck out of it and it, it could almost be an MMO, couldn't it? It's not quite, but it, it's close. It's getting there. Also, these games that seem to be hybrid games, not only do they have the multiplayer aspect, but they also have the strong narrative stories. I mean, I know lots of people don't realize it, but Call of Duty does have a narrative associated with it. You are usually doing things that are defined by a reason that is dictated to by the plot of the story. You look at a game like Dauntless, to me, that, that, that has a lot of elements of, yeah. uh, of, of an MMO. I'm actually of the opinion now, and, I, and I've said this time and time again, that anyone who's still clinging to that definition of an MMO that is dictated by the days of Ultima Online, games of, of that idiom, I, I don't think you can be a slave to that definition anymore. It's just changed. Everything's changed, and everything now, the lines are a lot more blurred. And I think it's time to say we need to redefine what an MMO is, and possibly a lot of other terms associated with that genre. Yeah. I, MMOs used to be the time sink, didn't they? And they yeah. were slow. Remember how slow it was to level in a lot of these MMOs we played? So you, it would take sometimes months and months to get to the, the level cap in the game. I think just about every MMO that I play now, it takes sometimes days. Like Star Wars, The Old Republic, I, I hit level cap in just over a week, like eight days or something. It's crazy fast compared to the way it used to be. If you're playing regularly, you, you can quite happily get to level cap within, like say, week, 10 days of, of, of fairly moderate play. Same with Star Trek Online. Yep. Not the case so much so with maybe some games like Lord of the Rings Online. That still does, even though they have streamlined it and you can out-level zones, that is still quite a slog to get to you know, the level cap of 100. Because so, I, you know, I started playing Lord of the Rings Online, and we've talked about that, and, and I, obviously it's on the back burner because I hit the science fiction um, gauntlet right now. But here's what I found in Lord of the Rings Online. It is so fast to level that I was out-leveling my gathering stuff. Yep. So I, I, I've actually popped into the game a few days ago, and I just spent an hour or two gathering ore to get my crafting up to the level that I'm at. I had <laughs> to go back into old zones because I was just blowing through the game, and I like to gather as I play because it gives you experience, and it just kind of keeps me current. And I just... You're right. It's going to take a longer time relative to these other games to hit level cap because there's just so many levels. 
there's a hundred and God knows how many, right? But I mean, I hit level 40 very, very fast. And in fact, I think it was too fast. Um, some of these other things that I like to do in the games just didn't keep up with it. So now I've, I literally have put a stop to leveling right now. I'm in the Misty Mountains. And now I'm going back doing some of these other things because I would like to continue doing all of this as I go. I do think it's a time now to sort of reconsider the gaming lexicon. This week, we've seen Legacy of Thiss released for Star Wars The Old Republic. And there were mixed views, shall we say, about the value for money. <laughs> Although it is technically you've only got That's to great. be a subscriber. But... Um, a lot of people said, well, this has been labeled an expansion, and it's not. It's just a content update and a central story that can be done in four hours. And I think it was Bagpus who writes the Inventory Full blog. He, he actually said in a comment on, on, on somebody else's post that I, I saw, he just says, an expansion isn't like how it was 15 years ago when a game would release an expansion and it gave you the same amount of content as the original game. <laughs> An expansion now is effectively anything if it's just additional content, something that you haven't had already. And if you're not, if you're just subscribing, that's not the same as paying a hundred dollars for a deluxe version of an expansion. Although I do take the point that if you're subscribing at fifteen dollars and then you subscribe for a year, that does add up to a tidy sum. It does, but. I would argue, I think, and I haven't really thought this through, this just struck me, I think the term expansion and the way that these games have done it in the past, and still a lot of them continue to do it now, is for marketing and sales. Yes. Because effectively, all of these games release content usually fairly steadily. You know, World of Warcraft, every... You know, the, the expansion would drop, and then a few months later, you would have the, the point one patch. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that was a bunch of content. And then a few months after that, you'd have a point two patch, and then a point three patch, and then the next expansion. And that, that all took place over two years. They're just drawing a line, kind of, and saying, okay, this is what we're going to market. This is the new shiny. Um, but they could stop doing that and just release the content steadily over time and not even have expansions. I think some, some of the games, Star Trek feels like they don't need it. Star Trek feel, feels like they're just adding a bunch of story content and then they're saying, okay, we're going to make a theme around it. And then here's a bunch of ships and give us money, but it doesn't yes. really feel like a real expansion. And and Star Trek have never charged for their expansions. They've correct, always been correct. free. And like you say, they make their money from the merchandise associated and, and thematically linked to the expansion. The game that impresses me the most as far as its release schedule is Elder Scrolls Online. You know that in spring you're going to get a content update, and that's then going to be followed by some new dungeons. And then later on, midsummer, there is always a big expansion that you actually have to pay money for that will give you a new zone and, and, and a new class or a new character or something. There is always a big system update as well as there being a new zone to quest in. They are very, very consistent where 
Bioware have really not been consistent with Star Wars: The Old Republic. It's it's they really have suffered through the uh, the last two years of um, the pandemic and them having reduced resources. Yeah, Final Fantasy fourteen. Although they slipped this year for the first time by a few weeks, I think it was. Every two years, they have an expansion. Mm-hmm. Just straight up, boom, 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 and until very recently, they they never put anything back as far as I know in that game. Obviously, it's a whole you know they had to relaunch the game because it didn't do well and yada yada yada. But what a success story! Yes, um, World of Warcraft is another game that you know essentially they're on around a two year cycle per expansion, plus or minus a few months either way. It kind of depends, but. Yeah, a lot of these games, it's just like you can kind of tell when they need the marketing boost and the the sales boost. But I I don't know. Like I said, I I I would love a game that just constantly put out new stuff and didn't have to draw attention to it, and, and it was so compelling that you just wanted to keep playing it. Because a lot of times the new shinies in the expansion only last the expansion, don't they? And that's one of my issues with it. Yes. So you put this entire, they build out this entire system, they get you all excited about it, and then when the next expansion hits, that system is instantly obsolete. They stop doing anything with it, and then you're on to the next big, shiny, new system that they're putting in. And it's kind of like, why did I just waste two years of my life wasting all this time on this old system if, it's, if you're not even going to support it anymore? Indeed. And the classic example of that being Lord of the Rings Online Yes. But th- but then the antithesis of that is Star Trek Online, where gear is upgradable. So if yeah. they change the level cap, and I must admit they they don't tend not to do that very often, but then you will ju- it, you just upgrade your gear however many levels or tiers that it requires to be. The, the main thing with Star Trek is not so much gear becomes redundant due to a change in level cap. Is Gear becomes redundant because they've tinkered with various stats and systems and therefore the game prevailing meta changes. Interestingly enough, and I forget how many years I was away from Star Trek Online, you know, I have my characters and my, so I have ground combat and you have space combat. And I have all of my stuff set up the way it was however many years ago. I'm still competitive. Like, I don't know what my DPS is. I don't parse for that. But I do know that I can go out in missions right now in either space or the ground, and I'm not just, like, being run over. Um... Every once in a while I am, but I'm able to go out and complete these missions and these stories, and I know I'm not optimal. I was maybe close to optimal at the time. Everything's moved on. There, I'm sure there's power creep and all that. I don't really feel it yet. Too bad. And that's kind of encouraging, because to step away for a bunch of years and to be able to step back in and immediately start to pick it up and you're not, you know, everything hasn't blown by you, is what's making me stay in it because it's still kind of fun. And now I have a lot to learn, don't I? Yes. Yes, indeed. But uh, like you say, it's, it's good to not be punished for your absence, as Correct. it were. Yeah. I think, I think if I had been punished for my absence, I probably wouldn't be playing. Because there's so much to pick up in Star Trek Online about getting out your ships or getting out your, you know, your away team 
and the weapons and uh, like all of those different systems and everything they have in place. It's a lot. It's, it's a complex game and I like it, but I just don't remember anything right now. So thank God I had all of that figured out before and I'm able to just go out and do my stuff and I'm, I'm fine for the most part. I'm doing, te- I'm doing group content right now with a however many year old ship that's not even close to whatever the meta is and I'm doing fine. Nobody's saying a word. The PvE content is very equitable in the game and yes. the task force operations which are five person content where you you just use an auto group finder and you the five of you just have to clumsily bumble your way through 15 minutes of content and then you know sometimes just by the sort of ships because they will upscale and downscale people depending on what you're doing and i will sometimes join a tfo and you've got about a minute or so before things start so you sit there and wait for the other players to arrive in the sort of the staging area you can just tell sometimes by the ship you think ah that's not a ship someone would would have a choice at end game that's a journeyman's ship yeah and and yet they they hold their own they they get by do not do operation wolf by the way So that was one of the choices for one of these event things that's going on right now. Anyway, Operation Wolf is a ground combat uh, like dungeon or instance, you know, TFO or whatever they call it. Yep. Oh my god. It was so clear that everybody else was so much better geared and more powerful than me, and I kept dying a lot. I also we- knew the mechanics and knew the optimal place to stand. Oh my goodness. Yes. Everybody else, all four other people were doing fantastic. And I kept dying and it put me back to the beginning. I run back. Nobody said a word. Thank goodness. I have never felt like I've contributed less to group content. I will never also do that again. I have experienced it once. No. <laughs> again, this, this just comes down to knowing your way around it and and also what it skills you've got i mean right. having some auto turrets and the solar gateway for example are useful on that one so yeah. you can you can summon weapons that just come continuously sort of hold the bad guys at bay yeah they i mean we did well because of my team i think i was holding everybody back but we still got through it but man that that was an eye opener of in the space combat, I think it hides it a little bit because I was always better at space. I think everybody seems to prefer space combat in Star Trek Online. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, people um, seem to have a real downer on the ground combat. Um, yeah. Everyone's entitled to the preference. I've never really had an issue for it. There are elements of it that have been developed and then neglected because... You can, with a couple of hotkeys, virtually suddenly turn into turn it into a first-person shooter, and you get increased DPS for doing that. But lots yeah. of people don't like it, as it were. Um, I, I, I quite like the ground combat, but it is an acquired taste, shall we say? Tell you what, I've always liked pet classes, right? So I like mm-hmm. carriers in the game. Well, what I love about the ground combat is you have four pets with you, your away team. Yeah, and you and you can kit them out and give them. Uh, different things that they will automatically do. So it's it's like being in your own group. Yeah, and you, I actually like it. You can also equip them with hoarders and have one yourself. Yep. 
Or if you're fortunate enough, you can have your own dinosaur with lasers on its head as a, as, com- as a combat pad. See if you can track it down. If You, you might be eligible to unlock it. And uh, if not, you might want to consider buying it. It's not a bad little pet. But I, um, yeah, I, I'll have to look into that because that sounds like fun. Well, yes. I mean, who doesn't want a dinosaur with lasers on its head? Well, I ran into him on the uh, Dyson ground zone. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I've, I've seen him. Yeah. I didn't remember him. But once I, I was like, OK, the ground combat is actually not bad. I don't, I don't mind that. That's the thing about Star Trek Online. I like most of the systems. So it makes it easy to play the game because when I get bored with space, I can do ground. When I get bored with ground, I do this Admiralty system or the doffing or all yeah. of these little mini games that they have. And it all feeds into all of your characters. Something else that has sort of become now, shall we say, acceptable to talk about in public, because previously, I'd say four or five years ago, it was very much a sort of nudge, nudge, wink, wink, keep it under your hat situation, and that is rogue servers. So I have no idea. You have this on the show notes. Oh, right, fair enough. I I literally don't know what it is. Well, basically, the, the fans have managed to set up a previous iteration of the game. Oh, okay. So, for example... You've got Star Wars Galaxy Legends, gotcha. which is an you know an unofficial reconstruction of the game, and they've you know they've 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 tweaked it and actually got it to run better, and they've actually they do events and they've actually released their own expansions and things like that. This now is becoming something where in the past you didn't want to talk about it publicly because if if it became noticed by the people that technically owned you know the IP or the code and stuff like that you, everyone would get slapped with a cease and desist notice when now there seems to be this sea change doesn't there um we live now in a time where a lot of people talk about game preservation and the fact that when certain games the servers get shut down they, they effectively are expunged from history, apart from a few you know, screen captures that play, former players may have. And, and now it's becoming you know, very, very commonplace because you've got Star Wars Galaxy Legends. There's also the um, City of Heroes and rogue servers, aren't there? Yeah, I, I, and I apologize. It's a terminology thing. I've always known them as, uh, I think they're called private servers. Yes. Or, or other names. So World of Warcraft um, has a great story about this because there have been WoW private servers since the game started. And at some point, uh, people were saying that they didn't like the direction the game has gone over all of the expansions, and they kind of were wistful for the original days. So a bunch of people got together and developed a classic WoW server. And it was extremely popular and so popular that it ended up getting shut down. And then Blizzard blew those people out, talked to them, and we now have, in World of Warcraft, Classic WoW. Official, they they went back and found old code and reprogrammed the game the way it was when it launched. And you can play that for free if you subscribe to WoW. I don't think it's worked out as well as they have wanted to, but they've, they've kept going with it. And there is a huge amount of the, the fan base 
that prefers that old way of doing it. So it's kind of interesting how the rogue server ended up, in a way, starting this journey and this path that became the official classic WoW servers now. Indeed. And there are more and more games that seem to be turning up in this unofficial capacity. A couple of games that are shut down. Wildstar. Wildstar, yes. There is allegedly a Wildstar rogue server in development or bubbling along under the radar. I missed that game. Weirdly, it had some character to it. I believe there's also a Warhammer Online unofficial server. Really? Yes. Huh. I have played, like 15 years ago, I played on a WoW uh, private server. And it was an interesting experience. I don't wish to go into too many specifics because there is still this element of some organizations can be quite litigious and I don't want to see anyone's party ruined as it were but I, it's just becoming a lot more commonplace now and there doesn't seem to be the same sort of prejudice or attitudes about it. I mean some game developers, some of the more, more um, forward thinking ones are even when they shut a game down actually making sure that the code does find its way into the public domain for this very very reason. I think that's a plus. Um, the story, and I could be wrong on all of this, but the story about WoW was they decided to build the classic servers mm -hmm. and they didn't have the code. And I believe they found it on a developer's machine. They found a version of it um, on a, on, uh, like he had taken a computer home or something because it was obsolete. And it happened to have the original WoW code base in or bits of it. And then they were able to, to, you know, use that to kind of go back to the original programming. So a game as huge and successful as that didn't even apparently keep the, the, the code. Just as it moves on, I guess it just moves on, doesn't it? Very much so. That was the argument that SSG made when they released their legendary servers for um, Lord of the Rings Online. It was a, a scaled-back version of the modern game. It was not the unadulterated version of Shadows of Angmar as it released in 2007, because right. they just don't, I don't actually think they have a copy for that same reason. Or if they have copy, they can't find it to run on the infrastructure that they're using. Yeah. I would love to revisit some of these games the way they were back then, because I don't know about you, I have a lot of very fond memories of my playing in different games over the years. Wildstar, you know, I, I didn't, it wasn't a great game, but I did spend quite a bit of time in there, and it had, to, there was just something about it that was quirky and kind of fun. And then they pulled the rug out from under it, didn't they? Yes. Um, I also, I played, uh, was it City of Heroes? That's the one that went away, right? Yes. Yeah, that was actually a pretty good game. And there are rogue servers out there. Yeah, the, the fan base was really unhappy when they stopped that game and, and pulled the plug on it. But then there was also a Matrix MMO that I don't think anybody cares about. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. I... Double-edged sword, isn't it? Nostalgia is um, a great thing, but it can sometimes lead to false memory syndrome. And then you suddenly return to a game and it's like, 
oh, not only am I getting the feels for the nice parts, but I'm also suddenly getting a a, a reality check about the lack of a quest tracker. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The the the, the 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 lack of mounts until you got to a specific level. I mean, we can all do this. I mean, Lord of the Rings Online. If people were uh, were to suddenly be shown what Shadows of Angmar was like, and they were a contemporary Lord of the Rings Online player, they'd be in for a shock because the game is now got lots of quality of life improvements and and attributes to make it as you call as you use the term frictionless gaming. Well, if you went back to the 2007 version, you get a quest that says, go and speak to so-and-so, he can be fined in Chetwood. And you would have to scour the whole of Chetwood to find the bugger. And then you'd hope that somebody else had done it beforehand and put the coordinates on a third-party website, or else you're going to spend the whole of your afternoon scouring the whole of Chetwood to find a quest bestower. I returned to Classic WoW the day the servers launched, mm-hmm. and I, I was part of the hype, and because I had played the game back in the day, and I always play a hunter, and you get your pet right, and you just run around with your pet and you kill stuff. I forgot that you had to feed your pet in a, in Classic WoW, <laughs> so I didn't feed my pet, and the damn thing ran away. I actually I I lost my pet. It left permanently and i'm out questing and it's like yeah your pet has run away because you haven't fed it i'm like crap i need another (laughs) talk about not friendly you know what i'm saying i had completely forgotten about that mechanic and it was a thing that is no longer a thing so based upon my experience of that you you can it's a very clear way to see how much easier and more friendly the games have gotten uh, because love or hate World of Warcraft, the the modern version of it, it is much easier to play than the classic. It, it was an eye opener of how bad it used to be, mm-hmm. in in many respects. So anyway, I just, I thought that was funny. I was so mad. <laughs> I think the MMO RPG genre is not going to be going anywhere soon. Yes, I happily concede the point that things aren't the same as they were in 1999, and quite rightly so. There's no way an old school figure this shit out for yourself approach we don't have quests you go and find some way of leveling up yourself sort of approach that just wouldn't fly with a modern audience would it so i I think it's inevitable that um that the genre has moved on therefore we need to rethink and be a little bit more flexible in the in how we define the various terms associated with the genre but um no, I, I still think it's a very, very rewarding style of gaming. The other aspect is there is still heavily associated with MMOs, the social element, although that's not in any way mandatory. But certainly you will find that there, there are still plenty of guilds and communities associated with all the big titles. You will more than likely find a like-minded group of people and just getting to hang out with people can be a, 
a great deal of fun in itself. You, sometimes you log into the game not for the game. You're logging into the game just for the community and social experience. Yeah, and I will also point out that uh, you and I met because of Lord of the Rings Online, what, 10 years ago over that? Yes, over 10 years ago. And, and we are still friends. We've never met in real life, but because of our love of shared love of that game, we have created how many podcasts together and craziness on websites and all of these things that we do. Um, and had we both not played that, we would have never met. There you go. There you go. Over a decade, and we're still banging on about the same points. Right, that wraps up the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, episode 186. I'm sure we will return to this subject again at some point. We will be back in the not-too-distant future with another show discussing another interesting topic. Until then, thanks very much indeed for listening. Uh, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye for me. You've been listening to Contains Moderate Peril. For more information, visit ContainsModeratePeril.com and follow us on Twitter at Moderate Peril.